This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 212 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by EquityMFG.com and their great manure forks. Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show with our producer, Glenn. Howdy, everybody. Hey, guys. How are you this week? I'm good. I'm always good, right? (laughs) You are always good. And actually, Philip, we had to phone a friend. I had to call a friend. That was a good, yeah, we had a good week. Yeah. We had a good week. Um, I was teaching a lesson and actually working on the new uh, rider test, the first level test, which is actually a very difficult test. And I had to call Philip. There's a there's a turn on the forehand, and I truly did not know. Obviously, turn on the forehand is an exercise we use, but I didn't know um, how how or what direction. So it was really cool. Philip was awesome. He. Uh, I helped teach a lesson for me this we, week. We, it was, we worked it, was, it out. We worked it out together. I know. I mean, we do that. You know, you you can train that movement, but it's never. And it's as far as I know, it's never been a directive in a test, right? So, right. the way you know, you have to write it in a way that you know makes makes sense, and it did make sense. But we had to work it through a little bit because we did. You know, turn on the forehand left mean meant right, wasn't it? It we had to it push on the your forehand. right leg. Yes. To get the haunches to go left, to, to make a, a 180 or so. Anyways, we worked it out. We're, we we're worked good, it out. Right? It's one of those double negatives like you used yeah. to get on your tests in high school. You know? <laughs> yeah. It is. It's a hard test. And I, I encourage everyone to look at those rider tests. But it, it is a difficult test. And I think Talk in ways that blacks. it is yeah. a hard test. Um, so I, I, uh, we're, my student's going to ride it this weekend. So I will report back on how it goes. Uh, but, but the first level rider test is, is a challenging test. So I'll let you know. I'm looking forward to coaching her and seeing sort of what happens with the, with the judging. So. Uh, uh, and, that seeing, was, and seeing some other riders do it as well. Yes. And, and well, there's really no other cool. rider, I mean, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, kudos to anyone who's riding that test because <laughs> yes, Reese and I, as longtime trainers, had to work it out. And so if you worked it out on your own, you're doing better than we are. <laughs> it is, and, but it's uh, always good. You know, it's fun, you know, to phone a friend. And, and it just reminded cool me and chat. wanted yeah. Yeah, I wanted, wanted to say that is even trainers, you know, we have questions and, and it's nice to have people in your village that you can call and ask these questions to. So, uh, Philip, thanks for being my phone a friend and uh, <laughs> I hope to do it again and, and if you need need me in that capacity. So, well, but we I have... Think, yeah, well, I was just going to say we don't have the rider test in Canada, so I'd never even, you know, seen these things uh, yet. But hopefully, you know, maybe it'll catch on in the States and, and like always, we'll follow what you guys are doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a really great show today. Um, we have a, a, a really neat announcement. Dressage Today is coming on. Uh, the magazine is coming on to do uh, a, a monthly segment. And Hillary Moore Hebert uh, is the editor, editor, and she will join us here shortly and, and talk about some things in the magazine. So that's a really fun thing that we have going on. And she has a great been, name, by the way, Hebert. Oh, yeah. You're like the, the Hebert I, thing? Yeah, that's a great name. We asked is that if any, she was any kind of coincidence? Glenn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not related. We did try and figure that out. She married. That's her married name, and uh, he was from a different part of the country than my family came from. But 
that's actually what caught my attention. She did a post on Facebook, and it caught my attention that there because not a lot of Hebert's around. So I saw her, and, I, and then I noticed she was editor, uh, senior editor over at Dressage Today, and I got in touch with her. And uh, we're very excited at the Horse Radio Network about this. Uh, Dressage Today is part of, con- of a conglomerate of magazines over there. And uh, Kathy Laws is uh, one of the people in charge over there. Known her for years, and see, see her a couple times a year. And so, so we finally got this put together. You and you can listen to it, uh, the Dressage Radio Show, on their homepage now. And I'm very excited that Hillary's a lot of fun. I think you're going to like her when we get to talk to her a little later. We also do. We have a, a young rider that's coming to Kentucky, and she'll tell you how she's going to make it to Kentucky here shortly. But Molly Eastridge from the Seattle area is going to come on and t- talk to us a little bit about what she's up to, and we can hopefully follow her this summer. So uh, we have a really fun show for everybody. So, Philip, what's in the news? Well, um, on Thursday in Rotterdam, Netherlands, Great Britain won the Dressage Nations, Nations Cup with Netherlands placing second. And Sweden third. Rotterdam hosted the second of four Nation Cup events in a pilot program to add even more excitement to dressage. Holland won the first event in Vindabon, France. And after two events, Netherlands still stands atop the Nation's Cup ranking with 23 points. Sweden is second with 19, Great Britain third with 15th, and France fourth with 13. So that's an interesting program, um, you know, of four shows with with uh, different countries vying for the top spot. So that's cool. Oh, I think it's great. And we also have a a wonderful announcement. Um, Riders for Helmets International Helmet Awareness Day is June 22nd, 2013. Uh, They have a website where you can go and and, uh, get more information, but it's www.ridersforhelmets.com. And they team up with manufacturers, and and there's discounts, and hopefully at your local tax shop, there's um, uh, there will be some discounts on helmets. And Lindsay White, who is a friend of the Horse Radio Network, uh, is the wonderful organizer of this day. Um, so I hope everybody checks their helmets and and just does a a refresh. Uh, to be honest, some helmets are very inexpensive now, um, and it's always good to if you've fallen, you need to get a new helmet. A lot of times helmet manufacturers will help you do that. So this is a campaign that's near and dear to my heart and Phillips as well. And I hope everyone takes advantage of it. And I got to tell you, last year during Helmet Awareness Day, we uh, Jennifer and I went to our local tax shop uh, down here and we bought a helmet for a friend of ours whose helmet was more than five years old. Remember, if your helmet's more than five years old, throw it out and replace it because it's no good anymore. Uh, and, and the reason for that is people think that we make that up and the helmet manufacturers make that up. It's the foam. All foam biodegrades over a period of time. And you think about your helmets always in the heat and the cold and the damp and the, you know, all, all the weather conditions and that foam inside your helmet is biodegrading. So after four or five years, it does not have uh, the characteristics it did when it was first manufactured and it doesn't have the safety it did when it was first manufactured. Basically, what you have is a plastic shell with brittle foam. So you really need to uh, replace it after that. And we went out. We got a 20% discount on the helmet we bought. And guess what? We noticed Jennifer's helmet is four to four and a half to five years old. So guess where we're going tomorrow? Yeah. Yep. We're going to the tech shop. So. Nice. Yeah, yes. And they're I always making the new styles and making yep. them Oh, they're making better. them cool now. Oh, they're cool. Yeah. That's a cool and, stuff. Yeah. 
They are cool literally in temperature, but also in style. And again, you can get some really nice helmets for under $50. It's it really, you don't have to get, uh, they're, they're all, all makes and models, but I have a helmet. I ride in a Lamisil, um, and, and it's just because it's comfortable and it's lightweight and it's wonderful. Um, so it's, it's a great, it's a great helmet. So when we lived in yeah. Lexington, I bought, I, I splurged and I bought one of the leather <laughs> Troxels. That's Ooh, all pretty. It looks cool, but down here it's a little hot. <laughs> <Florida>. Yeah, <laughs> you can set it back oh, up. You got to think about it. the function. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> Lexington, exactly. it was fine. Florida's yep. a little warm. Too hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Well, I hope everybody takes advantage of Helmet Awareness Day. Um, so it's it's a great it's a great event. So I hope everyone takes advantage of it. And um, right after this commercial break, we are going to start our dressage today um, series with Hillary Moore Hebert, and I look forward to that. We have been raving about the equity flex and fork and shake and fork for months now, and some of you might be saying they are just saying all those nice things because they are getting paid to. Well then, let's hear from some other people about what they think. Here is flex and fork user Eric Bates, Pasifino owner from Kentucky, on their sturdiness. I've been using the Flex and Fork for almost a year now. I looked it up on the Internet as being a quality-made fork, and that's what I was looking for. I had already replaced two or three, you know, the manure forks that you would get at a farm supply store, and I wanted something of of good quality that would last, and this, this has just been more than I could ever ask for. With the shaken fork, you save time and money by just using this motorized fork every day. Here is Leslie from Horse Nation on how much betting she is saving using the shaken fork. It really does. It, it um, helps you sift through, you know, so you're not throwing out as much. I think uh, uh, Equity says that it, the forks um, probably save you a dollar a stall uh, per day in, in between bedding saved and labor, you know, uh, time you're saving, and, and I, I believe them for sure. And then there is our terrific listener, Aubrey, who cleans barns for a living on how much time she saves with the shaken fork. It's funny because you have to kind of slow down when you do it just because you have to let the fork shake for a second. And so it kind of took me a little while to say, okay, just slow down because I tend to do them a little manically anyway just because I have so many to do but you do them faster. Even even though you're physically moving slower, you're doing the stalls faster. But a couple yeah. of the barns that I do use sawdust, and it's amazing how fast I can go through those barns. And it's pretty much cut down half, and I'm using so much less shaving, so it's going to end up uh, saving a bunch of people a bunch of money of the barns that I do. Okay, you've heard them. It's not just Jamie and I saying this. What are you waiting for? Go to EquityMFG.com and get yours today. EquityMFG.com. You will thank us every single day. Well, hi, Hillary, and thank you so much for joining us here in the Dressage Radio Show. Hello. I tell you what, I want to thank you for Dressage Today becoming an affiliate of the Horse Radio Network and also for you stopping by once a month to do a segment on the show. We really do appreciate that, and we're looking forward to it. We think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we're excited over here as well. You know, we I want to remind people, too, that now, as of today, you can go to dressagetoday.com. And our player for the Dressage Radio Show is on their their website right there in the middle of the page. So you can click that and you can listen to the Dressage Radio Show 
on Dressage Today. While you're uh, while you're on the Dressage Today website reading articles and things, you can have Reese and Philip going in the background. So it uh, allows them to do that while they're on your site as well. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, that all that sounds really excellent, <laughs> Glenn. I, I'm really glad about this and gives us a little content, some stuff to talk about. So first of all, Hillary, tell us a little bit about Dressage Today magazine. Well, Dressage Today magazine is um, a publication that is based in Maryland, and um, we do a lot of how-to tips as well as other things like Dressage News and just stories from our readers. So it really is a nice comprehensive publication that covers a lot of different things about the sport and art of Dressage. So Hillary, how long have you been at Dressage Today and what's your position there? I am senior editor, and I believe that I started in June of 2010, so it's been um, long enough to not remember exactly, but, um, you know, not too, too long. Excellent. And how about yourself? Are you also a dressage rider? Yes. I actually first started working for the publication as a blogger while I was going through the USDFL education program. Uh, and I was blogging for them, and the position opened up, and they um, asked me to apply, which I did and was able to work my training schedule around that uh, because I have a training business and my own horses in training. So I started um, working for the magazine, but then in the evenings and weekends, I also um, teach uh, students, and I uh, train horses, and then on the weekends, I juggle between uh, competitions and then judging because I passed my L program. Congrats. That That's super huge. busy. Yeah. yeah a, a, really a lot busy. of work. So tell us what's involved in, in editing the magazine and, and what your responsibilities are there. Um, a lot of the stuff that I do is more of the technical editing. Um, and so I do a lot of the how to, which is awesome because it gives me the chance to go down to Wellington in the winter and do training articles with top experts. Um, we have submissions from uh, freelancers, and I'll go through that. So a lot of the training-based stuff is what I will work on, and a lot of people um, will see my name in the byline for some of the how-tos, and then also things like um, the clinic where riders get critiqued and solutions in the back, that back illustration that's quite popular. Um, I'll go through with that and just work. Uh, Felicitas von Neumann-Cosell is our technical consultant, so she and I chat quite a bit. And, um, you know, I do a lot more of the the, the training aspects of the publication. And then uh, in addition to that, I also am... Uh, the person on staff who does a lot of the online things. So I manage our social media content and we have a staff blog and we also upload quite a few of the articles onto dressagetoday.com. So those are mostly the things that I do. And then in addition to doing things like training articles, I get to do fun things like go to Dressage at Devon and hang out and meet our readers and stuff like that. Wow, that sounds great. that sounds like a lot of fun. I uh, yeah. I love the articles and you do a, do a great job. So, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the horses that you ride and train? Uh, the horses that I ride and train, I have um, a really nice. It actually is perfect for the magazine because I get to talk with experts and then go home and 
practice what it is that I'm learning for them and I get paid to do it. So I have some upper level horses that I have in training and I compete. And um, right now I have one horse in particular that I'm taking out quite a bit that's doing the pre-St. George. And um, he is really fun. Uh, And then I also have a bunch of students who a lot of them I have transitioned from other disciplines and uh, corrupted them into the sport of dressage, and they are now um, showing and training, um, you know, in the lower levels and doing all the way up to first, second level work. So that's also really rewarding. Well, Hillary, why don't you tell us about what's in this month's issue? It looks like a really good one. Yes. So there's a lot of fantastic things this month. So um, this month, we are lucky enough to have a new expert for the clinic that I was talking about earlier, Suzanne Monditz, and she's a fantastic biomechanics authority. Um, she is going to be critiquing riders' photos that they submit, and everybody is welcome to submit them, so I encourage any listeners to do that. Um, she also gives really neat t- tips that anyone who's reading can use in their own riding. And the one that I really liked is for an exercise that improves your lower leg position. And what she encourages you to do is to um, post in a trot with a jumping seat as opposed to a more upright dressage seat. And then when you're standing in the stirrups all the time, you want to deliberately move one of your lower legs rhythmically forward and back in back into the middle position and then further back than that. So it's almost like a pendulum what you're doing. Then you want to go and alternate and do that with the other leg. And then when you're comfortable with doing that, you want to alternate each leg one at a time so that when one is back, the other is forward. And you're almost doing kind of like a little scissor kick back and forth um, And that will give you a lot of awareness and control for your lower legs as opposed to what I sometimes hear with our experts in the publication of, you know, kind of having a very stick-like figure in your dressage position. This is giving you more mobility and and balance from motion as opposed to stiffness. How would somebody submit a photo? How does that work? So the most important thing is it has to be a high-resolution photo. So nothing pulling off of your Facebook page. Um, But most uh, cameras on phones, I think, are pretty high enough resolution now. Um, But I would encourage people, if they have a nice photo from a horse show or a clinic that they had so that they're in a really nice turnout, um, that they just take that. You email it to us at dressagetoday at aimmedia.com, and the the email address is just on our website, dressagetoday.com, so that they can go ahead and submit that. And then uh, it just gets put into the line of photos to be critiqued. And um, then it will come up in an upcoming issue. And we pretty much have a, a small enough list that everybody who submits something will get critiqued as long as the photo is clear enough. And, um, you know, high enough resolution. And then the next most important thing is they absolutely must be wearing a helmet in the photo. Yay. Right. The helmet thing. Very important. We're very important. huge supporters of that. And I'm glad that the magazine um, is a big supporter of, of the riders and the, and the clinics and everything in the magazine wearing helmets. That's super important. 
Yeah, and that's something, you know, on a side note, that's just really important for us. And obviously, not all of the top riders ride in helmets. So there are some people in top hats, but we, um, you know, really have it be a rule of thumb that everybody has helmets just so that we can be good role models. And there is not a day that you will catch me if you surprise me at the barn where I will not have one on. So, that a girl. We feel the same way. (laughs) Tell us about the next article. Okay, so um, this one is really neat. It's also a great rider position tip, and it's from Grand Prix trainer David Blake. And on a side note, his article is really interesting. He talks about a gender-based approach to training horses, and he just talks about anecdotally different horses, uh, stallions and mares and geldings, and what he sort of experienced. But um, this is for every horse, regardless of the gender, when you're riding, that he says it's really important that all dressage riders have to learn to sit quietly so our horses stay responsive to the slightest shifts in our balance and seat. The less a rider moves, the better a horse can perform. And I think that David is um, really right, and it's really important for riders to remember this. Um, Someone once told me that if you are unbalanced on your horse's back, it's almost like if you were to have... um, a monkey on your back trying to perform a task. And if you think about with the dressage movements and the difficulty for the horses to maintain balance, having something on their back moving all around, you know, that's just makes it 10 times more difficult and um, dressage is hard anyway. So I think that was a great tip. Oh, it's so true. And and I think it takes so much muscle control and you can, can really think about how much body control it takes to sit still. It's, it's, it's a hard thing to do. So I think that's a great tip. It's a really hard concept as well because you're not exactly sitting still, right? You've got to kind of move with the horses, right? I mean, it's just just really important not to be doing your own thing on top, but, you know, facilitating each movement uh, with your own body, right? Because I see a lot of riders trying to so hard to sit still, but they're actually kind of sitting against the movement, right? And that's that doesn't work either. I mean, it's it's really about creating that partnership and and working together as the horse goes forward or back to a halt or sideways in a half pass. I think that's yeah. that's really really the the most difficult thing about about uh, about riding dressage because it's got to be so harmonious. Right. And wouldn't you say too though that it takes, you know, so much strength that way? You know, you have to yeah. be strong but also flexible. So it's important to do strength work but also flexibility training so that you can do both things. Well, I think what's really interesting, too, about it is I think it takes, um, do you guys notice that it takes more strength when it's new and less strength later? Yes, So that absolutely. Um, you know, like if you think of someone who has been um, bedridden or whatever for a while and they get up to just stand and walk, it's so fatiguing, and yet it's something we really take for granted as being easy. And I definitely notice as I progress in my training, um, you know, it gets easier. And I definitely notice because I can't have as many cookies as I did when I was younger. But um, <laughs> as me too. You know, you don't burn the same number of calories. But it's interesting. <laughs> and, you know, it really hit home when I was over in Germany. And I saw this man come out to ride this horse. And his uh, assistant was training horse. She was riding it around and it was going beautifully. And he could barely walk, and somebody had to help him onto the mounting block, and it was like a miracle that he got into the saddle. 
and he got on that horse and he rode that horse 10 times better than this girl did. He was running through the Grand Prix work and everything. And then afterwards he got off and he had to sit down immediately. He said, you know, that he could barely walk or anything, but to see that he was such a master of his own body awareness and balance that it really took little strength for him to do. Um, but I'm, sh- I'm certain when he was, you know, our age that it was much harder for him to do. And it just was amazing to me. It really hit home how little you need, but how long it takes to get there. Yeah, that's just an incredible story. I've seen that before as well. Riders who could, you know, who had trouble getting around in general, but put them on the back of a horse and it's just like, there's an amazing transformation. But I think as a trainer, I kind of take it a little bit for granted too. It's difficult when you're on the ground teaching someone who rides maybe once a day, whereas, you know, we come from a world of riding five, six horses, five, six horses a day, right? You don't get fatigued on the first one. You know, maybe by the last one you're feeling it, but you know, that's, that's, you have to really remember that when you're coaching people that, you know, it's hard to sit still, right? Bringing it back to the original point. It's hard to sit still. Um, well, and and the more horses the, you ride, the more you do it, the better you get at it, right? That's it. Yeah. Well, and I thought that was interesting. Um, Rudolf Zeilinger was saying that at the, um, down at the uh, Global Forum North America, he was talking about how he actually warms horses up in sitting trot. And he said, but, you know, the one asterisk next to that is if you ride one horse a day, your hips are not going to be loose enough to do that. But he said, you know, because he rides so many horses in a day, by the third or fourth horse, he's just in a different physical state than someone who's just getting out of a desk job all day long. Yeah. And I think that's really important to, to always think about this, you know, as you're coming, coming out of work, it's so important to stretch and be able to do that and give yourself time to warm their horse up. So to help going back to, to sitting still on your horse. Mm-hmm. Great. Great point. What's uh, what's the next article? Okay. So this is a, a fantastic tip. It's from one of our best U.S. judges, Janet Foy. She has a monthly column called Test and Techniques where she talks about, from a rider and judging perspective, uh, how to do separate movements in the test. And this is near and dear to my heart. Uh, she talked about in the pre-St. George, you go down the long side, you ride shoulder in, then you do a volte immediately into a half pass to center line. And um, I appreciated this for myself because uh, I have been doing the pre-St. George this year, and this tip has made it so that I have gotten no less than a seven in any of my trot tour this season. So this is what her secret is, is the volte is the least amount of bend of those three pieces. The shoulder in is the second most, and the half pass has the most bend. And this seems really simple, but when you get, on, when you get focused on riding each piece of the movements, you're worried about, you know, where your shoulder in is. Are you on three tracks? The volte, are you getting the geometry correct? The half pass, you know, maintaining consistency. And it's really easy to forget that you have to transition the bend between them. So I always think in my head as I'm going through it that it's in this order for bend, some, least, and then most. And I think that this is something that is very worthwhile to think of in the pre-St. George, but also in any moment, in any test where you have to change the amount of bend. I think you should pay attention to it regardless of the level that you're at. 
I love this. And I, um, you know, we, we talked and got the show notes a little early and, um, I'm doing my first pre St. George on Winnie this weekend. And I practice this very, very clearly, just like you wrote in, in our notes. And it is a lot harder than you think it is. You think, oh, that's not so bad. But when you really, when I really started writing and thinking about it and how much bend and where should she, should she be in each part? Um, it, the first time I went through, it wasn't as successful. And then I had to stop and think about it. And then I did it again. It was so much better. And I had a, a clearer kind of way of going. So that was great. So I, I love that tip. I used it. And then also in the third level, I was just uh, working, we have a big show this weekend. And so I had someone that's doing the third level and third level test three uh, also has quite a bit of bending work in it. And uh, we also talked about the same type of thing and very helpful, but not as easy as it sounds. Yeah. And what the listeners don't know is the only reason I shared this tip with you guys is because I don't compete against you in the same region. So, my first that's something to think about. Yeah, we're all in competition, right? <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like it. Thanks. They, now I know how we stand, Hillary. Thanks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, how about our last tip of, of for, for today? Okay. So, this is another show tip. And again, I'm only sharing it with you guys because I, you know, we're not competing against each other. Now, I am joking. I would love for everybody, even in the region, to know this. So Jan Bronze did a a great interview with us, and he talked about keeping your cool in the show ring at any level. So I would love for everybody who's out at the shows, even if they're in the same ring right after me, to have this. So he says, that you want to make sure, regardless of what happens, that you want to make it to the end of the test. And he tells his riders to smile and do it without major mess-ups. It takes several classes, even for Jan, who is a top rider on a new horse, before he's comfortable and he can really ride through the test instead of just coaching it. So instead of comparing yourself to these elite riders thinking everybody is, you know, having the ride of their lives, you need to think about just getting through it and, you know, you're having fun and the whole thing is just supposed to be an experience that you're learning from. I think that's good because it's just, you know, many times it's just, it's, it is just hard to, to finish the whole thing, right? I mean, you've got to memorize your tests. I mean, you've done a lot of practicing obviously through it, but um you know, it doesn't have to be perfect, right? I mean, especially if it's the first time you've ridden a specific level or something like it. Just you, you, a lot of times, just go for good, right? And then you can kind of fix this and tweak that. And you've got to be doing that test a lot, right? I mean, even for the Grand Prix riders, many times the first Grand Prix that they ride, nobody sees because it's in a small show close to their home or something like that. I mean, a lot of times you're seeing just the result of of years of practicing and and years of of doing small shows or just going to different places. Sometimes we just take horses to a different place, a different ring and and ride some tests and and so if you're taking your horse out to your first show or even your fifth show or something like that, it just takes a long time to get good at the sport for everyone. You know, professionals well, included, right? And I think the one thing that a lot of amateurs are not told that uh I think professionals realize is that you you have to be able to ride the entire test for a six before you start going for seven, eight, nine, ten. And I think the mistake I made when I first started riding in shows is I would go down center line like I was, you know, headed down 
center line at the Olympics. And I'd come around, you know, for the trot lengthening at first level. Like, I was trying to ride some extended trot at Grand Prix. And the horses don't have the strength and balance for it. We haven't developed the strength and balance for it yet. And obviously, it just didn't work out well. And I ended up getting lower scores. And I think that if you just say, and I hear this all the time from experts, don't ride a show any different than you would at home. You just need to ride every day at home like you would a show. And then you just do exactly the same thing there. That's when you're going to do a better job than trying to have the show be somehow the best ride of your life. And that's where I think people end up you know, having their errors is when they are pushing themselves beyond what they're really used to doing. Oh, I think that's so true. And I think you, you know, every show you go to, you really need to think about, okay, what are my goals for this weekend? You know, if it's, it's your first time riding the pre-St. George, you're probably going to have some mistakes unless you have just a superstar and you're, you're probably just going to have, have those. And I think you have to be okay with saying, okay, you know, that's, what's going to happen this this time or it's my first time riding first level test three maybe I'm not going to get the leg yield exactly how I want it but go for the six and do some of the other things really well um you know I personally I like to ride through the tests at home and have my students ride through the tests I know there's every trainer has a little different take on it but you know I want to know where it's going to be a little sticky for our horses so that you can have some time to prepare mentally and know for example, that maybe the stretch circle to picking the horse up to a lengthening, that may be a little bit of a challenge. And so if you're ready for it and preparing, you know, that's a, that's a great way to be. So I personally ride through the test and then also have a really clear goal with myself and my students on what we're trying to achieve that weekend. So I don't know what you guys think, but that's sort of how we, we do it down here. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, what, I really like about that riding through the test is if you are new to showing or you are a a lower level rider or you have a new horse, um, I think riding through the test is one of the best ways to figure out which side your horse is stiff on so that you can feel when you ride the circle in, you know, at B&E, 20 meters to the right, for example, and it's easier than the other side, you can start to feel that happening every single time then you realize you need to get your horse more supple to the left and you know I think that riding through the test really is a good way to say where are my strengths and where are my weaknesses exactly exactly well Hillary thank you so much for your time and doing our first segment I think we are so very excited all our listeners and Philip and I about having you here and going through some of these tips and, and having a great conversation so thank you so much and I hope everyone checks out dressage today uh, website and and what is the website Hillary it's really easy it's just dressagetoday.com. Well, that was a great discussion with Hillary, and I look forward to next, uh, the third week of the month, she will be coming on and telling us all about the new episode of Dressage Today, and so I'm really looking forward to that. And right after this commercial break, we are going to talk with Molly Eastridge. She's our Young Rider Highlight of the Month, and I look forward to talking with her and hearing about her journey to Kentucky. Jen here, host of the Horse Tip Daily Show on the Horse Radio Network. The way consumers interact with the brands they have trusted for years 
and those they are about to fall in love with for the first time is becoming more and more mobile, literally, and will continue to do so for the foreseeable future. Podcasts or internet radio shows like this one combine the new consumer preference for on-demand information and entertainment with the power of niche market audiences. Advertising on the Horse Radio Network podcasts allows you to reach the equestrian consumer using today's preferred on-demand delivery system. It's cost-effective and flexible, able to reinforce your existing marketing and social media strategies. To learn more about advertising on this show or any of the shows on the Horse Radio Network, contact us at 859-951-2022 or you can email us at glenn at horseradionetwork.com. That's glenn with two N's at horseradionetwork.com. Come and join the Horse Radio Network family. You'll enjoy the ride. Well, tonight we have a special treat, Molly Eastridge. And Molly, uh, she doesn't know it yet, but she's, well, she is coming to Kentucky to uh, work for me this summer. And I'm really looking forward to it. But Molly, I want to start our interview um, welcoming, welcoming you to the Dressage Radio Show, but also want to hear about your qualifications for the Young Rider Championships. Well, thanks for inviting me. Um, I started qualifying at the beginning of May. Um, I did my first show up at Woodby Island um, in Washington. Um, it was a very interesting first show, I guess. The first outing is always the most fun and exciting. Well, it should be anyways. And then we did pretty well. Um, the following show, we went to Denida. It was, there were two derbies, um, and I competed in both of them. Um and I did my freestyle there, and that was really fun. Um, and then my last qualifier was last weekend, and we ended it. started off a little rough. Um, my horse had been sick previously going into the competition for a while and had to have a couple of weeks off. Um, but he bounced back, and he loved to get back to work. And then we actually went backwards down the center line, which is very exciting. wasn't planned, but... Um, so that was exciting, but we came back and ended up, uh, getting a 70 the next day. So that was our accomplishment of the show season so far. Did you forget to point his head at the judge? <laughs> well, he saw something that seemed pretty scary. The runner was standing <laughs> down at the judge's box and he was like, no, I think I'll go backwards to it. Yeah. yeah, that's too but, bad. Well, tell us a little bit about your history, like how you got into dressage and a little bit about your horse that you're riding now and uh, and and that kind of stuff. Um, so I started riding when I was three years old. My mom got me into that. I can thank her for, for that one. Um, and then it kind of went from there. I mean, I joined Pony Club. I got my first pony when I was seven. His name was Mr. Dalmatian. Go figure. He looked like a Dalmatian puppy. Did you give him that name? No, he came with that name. Oh, okay. That's that's usually <laughs> a kid. It sounded like a yeah. kid name. Somebody named. No, somebody. he came with. I mean, he was a. Um, he was very. He looked exactly like a Dalmatian puppy, to be honest. But he taught me so much. Um, I did eventing and dressage with him, and I went through a couple other horses along the way. And my recent mount is named Donnerfield. Um, I call him Ruger at the barn. That's his barn name. Um, just like the rifle. And he is nine this year. 
he's been great really to work with. He's always very in tune to what I'm asking and he has a personality of a puppy dog, which is always interesting when trying to really compete them and take them places and cause I think he gets very attached, but he's been so much fun to work with and I've learned so much on him and I mean, luckily I got the opportunity to buy him when he was turning four and I've done all of the training on him myself. Um, since I've had him, which has been the best learning opportunity I think anybody can really ask for. So it's been an exciting journey so far, and I can't wait to come to Kentucky. What uh, what led to making that decision to go to Kentucky and to go to Reese specifically? I want to know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, actually, I've been riding with Conrad um, at the facility at Pumpkin Farms where I'm boarding now. Um, and Meryl Vines, who's my coach and trainer there, she, um, we had talked about me wanting to go and compete at North American Junior Runner Championships again, but the previous year I went, he had got shipping fever, so I knew I needed to get him down there in enough time for him to get used to the weather and everything, and I've always loved to be a working student, so we put two and two together and figured out that I really just want to go down there in enough time to get him settled and me work and, you know branch out and meet new people and enjoy the experience and I talked to Conrad and he gave us some names and that's how I came up with race. Well we are really excited to have you come but Molly talk to us what are your goals at the Young Rider Championships? My goal I would have to say that I'm really just looking forward to gaining the experience because I know two years ago when I went like I said he got shipping fever so I really didn't get to compete as much as I wanted to. This year, I think I'll be a little more competitive, so I'm really just going to go out there and show off what I've done and what I've trained myself. And because that's, I mean, there's no better feeling than that knowing you've done all the hard work yourself and really getting the feedback that you need. So I'm not really, I mean, I definitely would love to be competitive, but that's not really what I'm going for. So I know Conrad really said the goal and everything is just to be able to be the best rider you can be. And no matter what path you take, that should be the ultimate goal. So don't really focus too much on the smaller goals. So that's been kind of really helpful going into the bigger competitions. And you were successful in getting the uh, into the International Dreams program. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and when that, that when that's going to happen for you? Yeah. Um, so the International Dream program, they select four young riders from the U.S. to go Um, And we're going to England for, I think, three days. And then we're going to Germany for the remaining seven, I believe. Um, And they're sending us down there and we're supposed to be taking notes. And we're going to be following um, a bunch of trainers. I believe we're also going to the Young Horse Championships in Germany also. So that will be a really cool experience. So I'm really excited to meet the other girls. And I've never traveled like that before. So I think that will be... an adventure in itself, I think. So I'm really excited to go and meet, you know, you never know what opportunity is going to come from these types of things. So that's always the exciting part. Well, Molly, you're going to have a very heavy suitcase because I'm going to be in it. Perfect. (laughs) More the merrier, (laughs) I think. You're going to have to tow me around. You're going to have to tow me around England because I'm going to be in there. 
Perfect. Well, Molly, we are looking forward to having you here in Kentucky and having you as a working student. And we'd also really look forward to having you back on the show after you get back from your trip uh, to kind of tell us all about the things that you learned. And you'll be able to tell us how wonderful you do at the Young Rider Championships. So thanks for coming on the show. And we look forward to staying with you this summer and getting some more updates. All right. Well, thank you for having me. And I can't wait to come and visit. Well, a longtime listener, Rhonda Crabtree, has sent to us uh, a question, a dressage question. And so uh, I'm going to read it out. And Reese, we can can talk about this one, I think, this week. We can handle it. I love it. Yep, I think we can do this one. It says, I wonder if you can do a tip on picking up the reins at the end of the free walk. No matter how many times I practice this, I always manage to make my horse brace his neck and put his head up. He does it just fine with my coach when he rides him. She tells me to put my leg on and start with the inside rein, but I'm just not getting it. I can actually do a little better in the trot. Thanks for all your help. I love the show, Rhonda. So, Reese, what do you think about this one? This is a this is always a, a tricky one, and um, I find this even more tricky with event horses. So, one of the things that we work on quite a bit is that the horse halts from your seat, and or even takes a half halt. So, what we'll do is we'll do the free walk. And we practice actually halting from the free walk. The horses still have a long connection and we will halt and get the horse to wait on the seat without making their neck short. Because a lot of times they get short in their neck and they brace. Um, So we'll practice that halt transition with keeping the neck a little bit on the longer side. We also, so we'll do that a couple of times in the diagonal. So the horses really listen to, uh, to, to you as the rider as you're going through. Then um, what we do is we really practice leg yielding from the inside rein, inside leg, and suppling the inside rein as we do it, and that really makes a difference. Um, so we'll yeah. in, we'll yield from the inside to the outside, inside leg to outside rein, with our outside leg nice and steady. Uh, we'll also sometimes even walk a, a smaller circle in the corner to help us pick up the reins. So those are some things that I do to help with that problem. But you're not the only one. That, that's a very that's a problem. That's, that that's a really a tough one. And, and yeah. Reese, you, you stole my tip for that. It's a, it's all yes. about leg yielding, right? You got to connect yep. your horse from your inside leg to your outside rein, and then they don't brace. If they're stepping just a little sideways, I mean, in everything, right? I mean, you get riders with a lot of problems with um, you know, like a walk to canter transition, right? And the horse yep. braces from walk to canter. Well, what do you do? We just leg yield or we do a little shoulder in. It's all about inside leg to outside rein and then the horse just physically has less chance to to brace. It's, you know, you're building the suppleness, right? If the horse is straight, they feel a little bit the rein come on, boom, you're done, right? Then they're just yep. like, no, I don't want to do that. No, it's, you know, I was having a nice walk on a nice free rein. <laughs> Leave me alone. You were letting me relax and I'm not going back to work. So, yeah, <laughs> I push them around. So, to add to that, um, serpentines. Yep. Oh, walk. that's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. Just back and forth. But serpentine like in free walk with your leg pushing back to one way, mm-hmm. back the other way, you know, just that so you can make kind of 10 meter half circles sort of thing that you're just suppling your horse in the walk before you ever touch the rein. And then you, as you pick up the rein, you're pushing the horse one way and you're picking up the rein and you're pushing the horse the other way. And then they're thinking about your legs a little bit and thinking about the bend through the body and not, not thinking about how you're going to make the rein shorter. So... I think I yeah, that. we both yep, kind of had similar ideas and yeah. a little bit, you know, you can think of think of yourself, you know, different ways to incorporate leg yield into your walk. 
but uh, that just helps, you know, uh, you know, little leg, leg, leg yield on a long rein helps the horse walk out better as they step with their hind leg across their body a little bit. They can even develop an even longer free walk and, and it's just good for the horse. So yeah, no, I think there it's you great. go. I think that's a pretty straightforward I love one. it. Good job, <laughs> Philip. Well, and I think yeah. too, um, we all get a little lazy with this one. Um, and I think just at the walk in general, like, oh, yeah. especially right yeah. now, it's hot here and I say it's walk hot, and, yeah. and we all go, oh, thank God I'm walking. <laughs> you got to be careful because the walk is a double score. So it's worth taking time every day and every time you pick up the reins to think about this and and push them sideways and, and have a little bit of leg yield. Uh, but this is an every day, every time because you, the horse yeah. gets away with it once or twice and well, I think, oh, okay, this There's is something that I can do. Yeah, so yeah, just yeah. just focus on that and pay attention. So yeah. I love Important it. Important score. That's great. Yeah, exactly. Well, we love, love, love emails and Facebook questions. It's great, Philip and I. Uh, sometimes we like to jump in and answer, and sometimes we like to to get guests to answer to the questions. Get somebody on, yeah, yeah, and it's, yep. and it's great to add content to our show. I mean, we're always thinking of what do we know. What do you guys want to hear about? So if you let us know, that makes it really easy. Otherwise, we've got to just figure it out ourselves. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Well, everybody, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook. Just search Dressage Radio Show. You can follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com. And my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors at equitymfg.com and don't forget to check out all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Can I put a plug in for for Horse Tip Daily? It's a show that uh, my wife Jennifer does every single day of the week and it's different tips. Actually, we take all the tips from the Dressage Radio Show and all the other shows plus she records some new ones and we put them over on Horse Tip Daily. There are over 800 episodes of Horse Tip Daily now. Uh, and they're short, 5 to 10 minute, 15 minute tips on anything from horse photography to training to just everything you can think of health-wise uh, over there. So you can go back and listen from tip number one if you want to. It's a lot of fun guests over there. It's great. So, Well, everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back. And Philip and I are off next week. So please enjoy the Paradressage show. And we will talk to you in two weeks. Keep, have a good one. <laughs>